The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Time for the last word on the environment and John Gibbons is with us as always. John, there's a report out from Greenpeace looking at the use of private jets last year and they've broken out figures for Ireland. And yes, people do take private jets from Ireland to travel around the world, but it also seems people are using jets to travel between Cork and Kerry. Uh, that's right, Ian. Good evening. In fact, yeah, they found the shortest route for private aviation with 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 ten or more flights uh, within within the island of Ireland, as you said, was between Shannon and Kerry Airport. I had a look at this earlier, and it's uh, by road, uh, Ian. It's about 118 kilometres, and by air, I reckon it's somewhere between 80 and 90 kilometres. So, uh, the idea that you need to to basically power up a, a private jet to take a, a hop like that, I think, underlines really the the incredible level of waste involved. Another interesting thing uh, coming out of this is that the most uh, common route uh, for private jets in and out of Ireland was actually between Dublin and London. Now, Dublin and London is incredibly well served with commercial aircraft. There are actually 40 flights a day each way. So there are 80 flights between London and Dublin every single day. So people who choose to take a private aircraft between those two incredibly well-serviced airports are not doing it because they need to or because they're dashing to an urgent meeting. They're doing it basically because they can. And I think what's important to stress here really is the unbelievable uh, climate impacts of private aviation. A typical flight uh, in or out of Ireland that in the, in the sample that has been analysed uh, dumps about 10 tonnes of CO2 emissions per flight. Now, to translate that into how the rest of us live, that is the equivalent of driving a petrol car in for 40,000 kilometers. In other words, if you could somehow drive your petrol car around the entire circumference of the world, that is the equivalent of one hop in a private jet. And if you compare it, for example, with regular aircraft, uh, a private jet is 14 times more polluting per passenger than a, pri- than a commercial aircraft and 50 to 100 times more polluting than if you took the same journey by train. And it really comes down to this. We've got a finite amount of, of uh, if you like, global atmospheric space left in which to dump emissions over the next number of decades. And that at the rate we're going, really, the rich and the privileged, uh, particularly the, the users of private jets, are overusing it in, a, in a, a spectacular fashion. John, normally in a situation like this, there would be a call for the European Union or whatever government it is to slap a tax on private jet planes. But these are the type of people for whom paying an extra tax isn't a problem. So what do you do? Well, the, probably the only government, Ian, that has really taken firm action in this so far is the French government. They've been pushing the EU to tighten the rules on private jets. Uh, the France has already introduced a ban on short-haul flights. Now, this isn't just private jets, but including commercial jets. So, for example, uh, between destinations within France that you can reach by train within two and a half hours, you may not take a flight between those two destinations. And that is already in in position. So, Action has been taken. Now, of course, people will point out that on the continent of Europe, number one, they're better served by high-speed trains. And number two, unlike Ireland, of course, they're not surrounded by water. So therefore, uh, moving away from private aviation in particular, it's more problematic here. I think there's there's no question about that. But really, the issue is, I think the issue in here is, is one of equity. And that is, is it fair 
that a tiny handful of people, just because they have the money or their companies have the money, get to so grossly overconsume what is probably one of our most precious resources, which is atmospheric uh, space for, if you like, for dumping carbon. And this is increasingly, we're seeing this, it's the, one of the most uh, precious resources left to us. And I just think uh, the equity involved in it, it's a real sort of let, let them eat cake uh, thing, really, when you see people buzzing around in, in private jets. And as I say, the there's, there are perfectly viable alternatives. Uh, the London-Dublin route example that I gave you, I think, I think really underlines yeah. that, that this is not about some kind of urgent necessity these business uh, people have got thing, to get together. This is the thing I'm just looking at. I just got it from the report here now. Three airports in Ireland with most departing private flights in 2020. Dublin Airport, 491. Shannon Airport, 97. Cork Airport, 90. Is it time for the Irish government to step in and decide we are not going to allow you to take off in those airports in a private jet if you're going a short haul flight? Well, I think given our, I suppose, close relationship here with, with uh, foreign direct investment, Ian, which you know a lot about, uh, I think it's pretty unlikely that they're going to ruffle the, the feathers of our high flyers. Uh, and well, I, I, can tell you, I can tell you this. Most companies don't have private jets, or at least you wouldn't be allowed to use them for that type of activity. So we're looking here at the great and the good, and it is probably only a handful of people at most. But do you think we should be looking at saying, look, start naming and shaming all of these people? Well, I mean, the people before profit, I think by coincidence with this uh, Greenpeace report, uh, they have tabled a bill to ban private jets from Irish airspace, with obvious exceptions for military aircraft, for medical flights, and presumably for the government jet. And I, for example, for one, have no problem with uh, states like Ireland having a government jet that is used for for government business. It doesn't mean, you know, jetting off to Cheltenham in it. It means for legitimate government business. I think there really is, and this is we have to emphasize this, aviation is an amazing resource. It's a fabulous thing. One of the most wonderful things humans have ever dreamed up. What we need to stop doing is using it recklessly and wasting this incredible resource. Recognize it, Ian, for what it is, an amazingly valuable but scarce commodity or resource that we need to use sparingly. You have me on this one, John. I'll be with you on the front line on this one to ban the private jets, as long as you don't do the short-haul flights for those of us who like a, a, a weekend escape. But let's move on to something else. Um, looking at some, you're looking at something now which potentially is quite concerning in the Antarctic. That's right, Ian. There's a, I suppose most people will be familiar with the Gulf Stream. This basically is an overturning current that sort of begins or, or passes through the Caribbean and basically gives countries in the Northern Hemisphere, like Ireland, uh, a, a very benign climate. If, if we were, if without the Gulf Stream, for example, uh, average temperatures in Ireland would be five or six degrees cooler. We'd basically be the same temperature, Ian, as about Newfoundland. In other words, we'd be frozen over here maybe six months of the year. So that Gulf Stream uh, transmits and carries a huge amount of energy that, that gives us our benign climate. Now, there's a far bigger part of that current. And these currents, by the way, they're all connected. And this is called the Antarctic Overturning Current. Now, it dumps an, an unimaginable 250 trillion tonnes. So that's 250,000 billion tonnes of Antarctic surface water are drawn down to the, to the ocean abyss, as they call it. This sinks down, and as it sinks down, it's balanced by an upwelling at other latitudes. And basically, this overturning circulation, it carries oxygen down to the deep ocean, and it also returns nutrients to the sea surface. So it's part, if you like, of these gigantic intercontinental um, 
waves that, that move energy, that move nutrients, that move heat from one part of the globe to the other. What we're seeing happening very quickly in Antarctica is that that overturning circulation is slowing down rapidly. And it's slowing because of the impacts in the Antarctic region of global warming. And they say that meltwater-induced weakening of the Antarctic overturning circulation could also shift tropical rainfall bands up to a 1,000 kilometers to the north. And that means, basically, as these, these circulation systems, and really, scientists have only come to fully understand the significance of these systems, probably only in the last 20, 30, 40 years. Prior to that, they, they were really poorly understood. In fact, even, even today, uh, we're still learning more and more about them. And what we know, Ian, is is the nice, benign, largely benign climate that we enjoy on planet Earth is due to a subtle interplay between these ocean currents and, of course, our atmospheric currents, uh, such as the jet stream. Now, we've seen the jet stream is starting to wave and wobble because of climate change, and now we're seeing that our deep ocean currents are doing exactly the same. They're basically responding to excessive heat in the system. This heat is building up and is causing all kinds of consequences. So, what we're looking at, for example, with the Antarctic overturning current slowing down, basically we, we could find a huge collapse in the nutrient system, which means uh, that the foods available to fish and other marine species uh, declining quickly. So that would be a devastating blow to fisheries. And we could also see a rapid heating of the ice around West Antarctica. Now, West Antarctica holds enough ice to raise global sea levels by several meters. So we really don't want West Antarctica melting. We'd no. like to keep that the way it is. So I think the, the key message, and this, by the way, comes from a report that was published uh, yesterday in the uh, scientific journal Nature. And the, the authors of the report have basically said we really need to, they're, they're saying basically, look, this is yet another reason to address the climate crisis and fast. These are systems, Ian, that as we come to understand them, they're both massive and yet quite subtle. And they're capable of being of being disrupted John. by human actions uh, with consequences really that 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 uh, hardly bear John, thinking I am about. All out of time on this, we could speak for another hour. John Gibbons, thank you very much for that. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from four thirty. Today.